Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph begins a message entitled, How Real Is Your Faith? We're in Genesis chapter 19. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. We're still talking about faith that keeps on growing. Tonight, we take a little side journey down into Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're not talking about Abraham so very much, but his nephew Lot. And if you remember the story of Abraham and Lot, um, Abraham was Lot's nephew, and he, and he traveled with Abraham. And, and uh, as God blessed Abraham and showed himself to this, this person, uh, Abraham began to really change. And, and he met God, and his life is slowly transformed. And we've been reading about it. And his faith in God is growing. And I, I just want to say this again. When I say faith in God, I'm not talking about something religious. I, I'm talking about if, if, if you and I went out to dinner... And I, and I go, oh, this just happened to me the other day. I went to lunch with, with three young guys from our church, the younger pastors, and I was sitting next to one of them, and he goes, oh, I only got two bucks. And it was you. And I said, that's all right, I'll pay. You can pay me later. Now, why would I say that? Because I know him. And because I have reason to believe that he's honest. And I have reason to believe that he will pay me later. That would be a good time. No, I mean... <laughs> But you see, that's what faith is. It's just trust. It's not faith. Right? It's just trust. I, I just trust God. And we see Abraham growing in his trust. And, and, and God prospers him a lot. And, and then they, they get so wealthy, both of them, that they got all these sheep and cows and whatever. And they, they did not have grassland. So they got to split. And Abraham says, uh, you know what? You choose first which part of the country you want to go to. And and, and, and it's like, you've got to picture this land. Here's the Mediterranean Ocean. Here's the desert called the Negev. And here's the Jordan River Valley, which is lush and green. And then here's more desert called Arabia. Right? And Abraham's thinking, like, Lot's going to say, okay, I'll take this part, and you can take this part. Or I'll take this part, and you can take this part. But Lot says, I want this part. You know? You take the desert on either side, that's fine with me. I'm taking the Jordan River Valley. I want the green part. I mean, remember, they got cows and sheep and flocks and stuff. So you see already Lot's kind of a selfish guy. And you get the picture as you, you read through this whole deal that Lot has a relationship with God, but it's a little bit iffy. And so that's where I'm at tonight. How real is your faith? You know, what's the, what's the deal here? Are you, is, is, it, is it real? I mean, if it is, then God would have first place in your life. He'd be number one priority in your in your the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, the trust. You know, I, I, I don't need to try to hog all the green stuff because I could take a little of the hard stuff along with the good stuff and God would be there and I can trust him to take care of me. You know, it's, it's that. And so now as we kind of come sneaking up on Lot, we, we read last week about how the, the, the Lord appears to Abraham and says, hey, next year you and your wife are going to have the kid that I've been promising you and all that. We won't get into that tonight. But he also says, I'm going to go down and check things out in Sodom. I hear it's really terrible down there. And Abraham figures out, well, that means God's going to bring judgment on this place. And um, so he comes and he starts arguing with God. Remember we talked about it last week? Looks like a used car deal going down. Abraham is going, well, what about this? And God says, okay. And Abraham says, well, what about we just a little bit more? And God says, okay to that too. And Abraham says, well, just a, I just, you know, I want to be polite here, but a little bit more. And, and he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and you know, God, you wouldn't destroy the city for if there's 50 righteous people. You wouldn't destroy them amongst all these others. And, and finally gets it all worked down to ten. And, and, and God says, no, if there's ten righteous people, I'll spare the city. And, of course, then goes down to Sodom. And the angel shows up in Sodom. And, and there's a handful of righteous people. And, 
And the Lord says, you guys get out because this place is going to fry. And that's where we pick up the story tonight. He talks about a murderous culture. Um, you know, a world that turns its back on God uh, begins to, to become a, a world that's caught up in pleasure. And then it begins to be a world that gets caught up in greed. We move from being lovers of pleasure to lovers of greed so we can fund more pleasure eventually to, 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 to violence. And violence kind of tends to come because we get into more greed. It also comes because we get sated in our appetites for pleasure and we start looking for weirder and weirder stuff because we're looking for something that's just a little bit different and unique and a culture goes to pot. And apparently this is what's gone on here as we get into this chapter. Read the first few verses with me. Uh, it says, That evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom and Lot was sitting there as they arrived. Sitting there probably means he's at the city gate. That's the place where business is transacted and government is run in ancient cities. So Lot has probably become an important person in the city. He saw them and he stood up to meet them and he welcomed them and bowed low to the ground. My lords, he said, come uh, to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. Now these guys just look like men, but you know the word angel just means messengers from God. So these are extraterrestrials that are here to do God's business, which is to bring judgment on the city. And Lot doesn't get it. He just thinks they're regular guys, and he welcomes them into his house. He says, then you may get up in the morning as early as you like and be on your way again. Oh, no, they insisted. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. We'll camp out on the ground. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. And he set a great feast before them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast. And after the meal, as they were preparing to retire for the night, all the men of Sodom young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. And they shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. So these guys are into homosexual rape. has something to do on a Friday night. Lot stepped outside to talk with them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Do with them as you wish, but leave these men alone. They are under my protection. Now, kind of makes you wonder about the brains of this guy named Lot. Just go rape my daughters. Don't rape these guys. Now, maybe he's figured out these guys are on a mission from God. Um, not the Blues Brothers exactly, but on a mission from God. And uh, uh, maybe he hasn't, but whatever it is, uh, the, the guy is, 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 is sick with compromise. So I want to give you two scriptures here. Uh, I don't think we'll look them up, but give me them on the screen. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 13 and 14, uh, Matthew 7 says that there's a way that leads to righteousness, and it's narrow. And there's a path that leads to destruction, and it's very broad. And the way to righteousness is the way to life, and few people find it, because everybody's looking for the easy way out. And you know what? Lot is a compromiser. Lot has become an important man in a wicked city. He didn't get there by being a person of strong integrity. You know, you can you can do that. I, I, I've, I've found when I was young and I used to have to work out in the world before I got to be a, in, a, in a Christian ghetto called a church. Um, if I would stand up and, and really stand up for what I stood for, you take a little heat. And then in the long run, they all come back and they have these little quiet conversations. You know, I, I, I used to give you a bad time because of your faith, but you know, I really respect you. And, well, i got this problem going on in my life. Can I talk to you about it? Just over and over, I had that happen. I had this one guy that was a wild man. He, he was so violent, he'd been in jail so many times. He shot four people one time. Came to work at our place. They stuck him on my workstation. He didn't like me because I was white. Told me so that fast. And I just lived my life as a Christian 
in front of the guy. I wouldn't cheat on schedules. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the cheaty things the way that guys, other guys did their work. And I trained him how to do his work, and he got very fast at his work. Because you know how sometimes when you choose to do things the right way, God will be with you, and he'll just put a, an anointing on your life. And I was very fast at my job, and he got very fast at his job, and he liked it. And I remember one night he comes and he, and he starts crying. He, was, he came to work drunk. We worked graveyard shift. I was putting myself through college. More, you're the only white guy I ever liked, you know, and, and uh, all that, you know. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I led him to the Lord. And, but he didn't change much. He stayed pretty much the way he was. And, I mean, he was a, this is a violent man. He had he'd shot up other people's cars. He had done terrible things in his life. And he decided that he bought a brand new car and he was going to steal it from a finance company by moving to New Jersey and not making the payments anymore. And, uh, and he was on his way to go do that. And he decided that he had one friend that he had to do a little business with. And that was me. And he had to come and say goodbye. And he comes. It's the middle of the night. We worked at County General Hospital in L.A. And, and the, the gate was locked. And the guy wouldn't open the gate for him because he was drunk. And so he, he just, he didn't bring his good car. He was going to steal. He brought his old car. He was going to leave behind. So he just backs it up down the road and crashes the electric gates. And comes in. He's slobbering all over, you know. And, and uh, he told me I was a Christian that had, had integrity. And he could respect me. And they arrested him and took him off. And this was the last time I ever saw him. <laughs> but you get the feeling this guy Lot is not there because he's got integrity. He's there because he's been selling out. And now he's selling out the ultimate, most precious thing. He's got his kids. Here, go rape my daughters instead of these guys. Loser. Loser. This is the guy. Abraham's been praying trying to spare Lot. That's why he's negotiating with God. If there's anybody righteous, and Lot maybe is halfway. And so the Lord's down there trying to rescue Lot. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 20, the Lord says, basically, hey, don't be lukewarm with me. Get hot or get cold. Get in or get out. Because if you're halfway in and halfway out, I want to puke. I mean, it says, spew you out of my mouth. Need I translate? Puke. God says, I want to throw you up. I don't want you anymore. Be real. So, this is a kind of an ugly passage of Scripture tonight. But what, what's so ugly about it is that it makes us deal with us. You know, Where are you? What kind of integrity is there in your life? What kind of a... Of a, of a walk with the Lord you have. What kind of choices do you make? What kind of, where, where does God have in terms of control of your time? Or in control of the decisions that you make? In control of the things that you will do when you're out with a crowd and they're all doing the wrong thing? You know, I mean, frankly, if you're a Christian, you ought to be the designated driver. You know, I used to go around and hang out with my, all my friends in high school and they were all get all drunk. I was the one guy that could drive us home. And they always knew they could because they knew that I wasn't going to change because I was who I was because of the Lord in my life. And that wasn't like, you know, preachy toward them or any of that. It was just that there's something that's consistent, that's got integrity, that I walk with God and the thing reflects in my life. And I'm not trying to be a lukewarm person. I'm not trying to compromise all around and get everything. I, I, I know what I stand for and I stand for what I know. Does that get anywhere? You know, we could already go home, but I'm not going to let you out of here so easy. Take a look at the next. Well, let's, let's read I never even finished reading the whole thing. It says, um, um, Lot begged him. He says, here's my daughters, all that. Verse 9, stand back, they shouted. Who do you think you are? We let you settle here among us. Now you're trying to tell us what to do. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged at Lot, began breaking down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot in, bolted the door, and they blinded the men of Sodom so that they couldn't find the doorway. So that's a little bit weird. Um, but these guys start in on Lot. 
What are you judging us for? And you know what? That's what you're going to face at some point. If you stand for something and say, eh, I don't want to do that because that's a wrong thing to do, uh, then somebody's going to get all mad at you and, and judge you and, and what have you. I was talking to a, another pastor who's a friend of mine, and he got involved in a deal, and, and he took a bunch of kids to an amusement park in Southern California on a school trip. And all the other school leaders uh, and, and the kids, the smaller kids, they were trying to get them into Disneyland cheating on their age, you know? The kids are like, 13 and the break is, is 11 and they're taking the small ones and trying to hustle them in as 11 year olds. This is the adults they've gone along to be the chaperones for the whole thing and my friend who's a pastor said well you know actually I'm in the business even of serving God uh, and, and I really shouldn't lie and so I'm going to pay full price for, for my kid and, uh, and, and he goes but I really wouldn't do that anyway because I'm a Christian I, I don't do stuff like that and he's just trying to be really nice and they got all salty and mad at him and put him down for it just before they all got caught by the security people at Disneyland. And his little kid who was so embarrassed that dad wouldn't go along with the crowd and mad at the father suddenly comes wrapping arms around going, oh, thank you, dad, that you stand for something, you know. What do you stand for? What do you stand for? Are you like Abraham, who stands for something? Are you like Lot, who's wishy-washing around? Am I getting anywhere? Well, let's go on now. We can go to the next slide here. I talked about um, calling the relations, calling the relatives. These guys go and, and blind the people that are trying to attack Lot at the door. And, and they, but notice what's on their agenda. And this is God talking here. Don't you have any other relatives in the city, the angels ask? Get them out of this place. Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, anyone else. For we'll destroy this city completely. The stench of the place has reached the Lord, and He sent us to destroy it. This place smells to the high heavens in terms of its evil, and we're going to get rid of the place. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city. The Lord's going to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn, the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out of here right now, or you'll be caught in the destruction of this city. Now, what's the sin of Sodom? Very, very easy for people to say, well, it's obvious, it's homosexuality. Well, that's among the sins of Sodom. I want to I pick up some other scripture and show you something. Keep your finger in your Bible here in uh, Genesis and turn to Ezekiel chapter 16, if you would. Now, I know a lot of you didn't read Ezekiel this morning when you got up. And we'll read it together. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. And it talks about Sodom. And it says, Sodom's sins were pride, laziness, and gluttony. While the poor and needy suffered outside her door, she was proud and did loathsome things, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. And then goes on because he's actually chewing out somebody else in the other verses. But notice, here's Sodom. It was prideful, very prosperous, wealthy, rich reason, region, and they got prideful. And then they got lazy. Everybody was, was kind of on cruise mode, trying to you know, get the most that they could out of doing the least amount. They got into gluttony. And then they didn't care about the poor people and the needy people in their midst. And, and then it says she was proud and did loathsome things, which probably means sexual immorality, both versions, heterosexual and homosexual. So while we go back to talking about Sodom, the one thing that I want to say here is uh, don't, don't let's all do, be like so many Christians, let's just all pick on the gay people kind of a deal. Because you understand that immorality goes both ways. God is into... A, a man and a woman being married to each other, and he'll bless that. He calls everything else adultery and fornication and words like that. 
And sometimes what I find is Christians, you know, they want to play the, the homosexual card because it gets the pressure off of me to just throw the rock at those guys. Am I making sense when I say that? We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We all need God's mercy, and we all need God's presence in our life. And when His mercy and His presence come in our life, He tends to change us and transform us. And that's what this is all about here. This is not about joining the spiritual be good club. This is about God loves you, and if you will respond to Him in trust, He'll start to gently change some things in your life. And you don't even have to worry about it. You just worry about loving the Lord. Am I getting there? Well, God's concerned about the relatives here. God comes to these guys and says, don't you, don't you have any other people here uh, that, that you care about? Go tell them. Go warn them because we're going to bust this place. It's about all over. And they go out there and they tell the others. And it says that they thought they were, that they were only joking. And I, I think this only joking thing is, is a little deeper than it looks on the surface. I, I don't think it's just that they didn't understand what he said or whatever. I think they were in the habit of blowing off spiritual reality. There's another scripture that I want to give you, and we won't turn to it, but I think I got it on the screen. It's Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. and It, it starts out by, by talking. If you could read it in Greek, it's really actually a joke. The Apostle Paul says, he's, he's talking about people who knew there was a God but refused to believe Him. And he goes on and he says, it's like they took the truth of God's existence, and they put it in a little box, and they sat on the lid, so nobody else would be able to... To find God. And, and professing to be, be wise, they became fools. And they made up great huge arguments against the logical uh, revelation of the existence of God in nature. Now, did, you, did you look around you? You look at how complicated DNA is. And then you say, oh, there's no mind behind this. There's no design behind this. This is all just random. You know, my friend Corey Grinder is in Japan. And he, he's... Uh, He's uh, talking, there's a guy coming to his church who's not a Christian who's into th to chaos theory. That everything that exists is absolutely the product of chaos. Chaotic random chance. Not just random chance, chaotic random chance. Everything is just a freaked out mess and you just all happen to, you know, the molecules self-arranged and you're sitting here. And, um, and, and the kid's, the guy's kid runs wild. The guy's kid is headed for jail. And my friend Corey, his little kid's are, are, are walking with the Lord. His little kids are being raised according to the principles in this book. And this man is sitting there going all this kind of tearing his hair out about his kids. And, boy, I wish my kids were like your kids. And, and Corey says, hey, it's the, the roots are in what you believe. I believe that there's a God who's a God of order, who's laid out a way to do things, and I'm living that way. And look at the kids. You believe in chaos. And look at the kids. <laughs> See? And so what Paul says in Romans is, these idiots, they went out and they didn't want God ruling over them, so they made up a bunch of junk so that they could do away with the idea of God so that God wouldn't rule over them so they could do whatever they wanted to. And then he goes on for the next, you know, gets off into all of the next few verses up to about verse 18 of, of Romans 1, and it talks about people who are first bent on pleasure, and that's why they don't want God. They don't want Him fooling around with their sexuality. And then they get tired of their sexuality, and they get into violence, and they get into re rebellion against authority, and they get into a society that just spirals in on itself. But it all starts from making a joke out of God. It all starts from blowing off God and saying, ah, doesn't matter. You believe that stuff? And so when Lot comes along and says, there's these dudes at my house, and they made these guys blind that tried to get in, they were going to tear the house down, and all of a sudden they're blind wandering home, and they say they're going to destroy the city. you got to be joking. And they seal their death warrant. It's over for them. It's just over. 
This movie that I watched last night, Signs, it's so cool. You got Mel Gibson, who's this real cynical, blown out ex-preacher guy that doesn't believe in God anymore. There's two kind of people. There's those kind of people when you get in trouble, they think someone's there looking after them and they got hope. Then there's those other people who don't believe anything's there and they got no hope. I'm one of them. What are you? Well, he's pretty right, you know. But he says, you know, you, you laugh off God. You laugh off any hope. Well, you lose. You seal your doom. What comes, comes. You got nobody to, to call out to, nobody to help you. And so God's reaching out through Lot to Lot's relatives. He's reaching out through you to your relatives and your friends. And the message here is kind of keep on keeping on. Uh, but it also kind of lays it out what happens to people who, who turn their back on God. Look at verse 16, and we talk about being caught between two worlds, because Lot certainly was. It says, when Lot hesitated, because they're trying to get him out of town and protect him because the town's going to blow up. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hands and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. They grabbed him by the hand, pulled him out, for the Lord was merciful. Run for your lives, the angels warned. Do not stop anywhere in the valley and don't look back. Escape to the mountains or you will die. Oh no, my lords, please, Lot begged. You've been so kind to me and saved my life, and you've granted me such mercy, but I can't go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? It's kind of like he's saying, well, it's not as bad as this place. It's a small town. Big towns are bad, you know. Then my life will be saved. Now, when he says my life will be saved, what he says is my ego will be saved. My pleasure center will be saved. I don't want to go up there in the mountains wherever you're trying to do whatever your thing is. I want to stay down. I'm a sophisticated urban person here. And I want to stay down here where life is cool. And in verse 21 says, All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. Now notice, I will not destroy that little village. Why would the angel have come to destroy that little village? Because there's a whole bunch of really good, righteous people living there? No, because it's just about as bad as Sodom. And Lot's negotiating and saying, I just want to do the halfway Christian thing here. I, I, I don't want to go where you want me to go. Uh, this place isn't too bad. Let me go over there in the not too bad place. The sort of bad, not too bad place. See, and, I, and, and, and what I wonder is how many of us are kind of like that? God's trying to you know, get you to the heights. You come here and you worship. Good night. Isn't this wonderful what's been going on in worship here? And something happens inside of you and your spirit soars. And you have a sense of the reality of what God would like to do in your life if you fully let go. And then you go, well, yeah, but I, I, it, it costs too much. I'm hanging on to whatever else is out there. Lot is, 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 is trying to, 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 to hang on to the world in one hand and God in the other hand. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. There's a scripture over in First uh, John chapter 2. It's verses 15 to 17. And it says, don't love the world, neither the things in the world. Because the world's passing away. The city's going to be gone someday. Get on the heights with God and, and, and let God do whatever it is that God's trying to do in your life. And, and I just have to question the, the decisions you make, the choices that you make. You know, I talk to parents, and, 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 and sometimes it's like they've got to have their kid in every single thing of sports, of, 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 of dancing, of this, of that, of the other thing. And then you talk to them about, well, yeah, but is your kid in... in in, in a mini church as your kid coming to youth group oh my kid's so busy they don't have time for that well you gotta look at the, the parent not the kid and ask the parent excuse me do you really believe in God do you think your child is better off having a good life and making sure that they fit in culturally and then, then they go to hell after 
You think that's a good thing to do to your kid? I talked to someone the other day, and, and when, they're, when they're, they're, their child was 14 years old, I had a talk with this person, and they're, and they're going, oh, I wish my kid would really get engaged with God. And I go, get them to the junior high deal. The junior high deal rips. Get them in there. They'll, they'll find friends, and they'll, they'll get strong, and they'll this and they'll that and the other thing. And, and, uh, yeah. and I saw this person last week crying. I hadn't seen him in church for a while. Came up here, and as soon as I see him, a good person, person I really care about. My, my child is gone. Went off to university, met the professors whose job in your freshman year is to try to take God out of your life and act so objective when they do it and mock people for their belief and all that. And my, my child met this fool and now my child doesn't believe in God anymore. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. 